This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Pride of London podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Please welcome your hosts, Gabe Henderson and Travis Tyler. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Pride of London podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Henderson, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Travis. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Many of you will know him as a contributor at theprideoflondon.com, where he does some great work. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with Ola's work, you can check it out under his author profile on the About tab on our site. So without further ado, Ola, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, Ola Olua, Wuburu. Uh, they just call me Ola for short because it's easier for everyone who is not familiar with the name to pronounce, and it's completely fine by me. Uh, I'm a contributor on Pride of London. I've been for a considerable number of time. I've written some some articles that I'm I'm personally really proud of, and you should you should check it out. I'm also very active on Twitter. If you want to, us to you know have conversations on Twitter, I'm. I'm always down for that as long as we're respectful and we don't descend into into abuse and insult. You know, I'm always down for that. And you can reach me on, on Twitter at Macnobzy, M-C-N-O-B-Z-Y. And, you know, I'm looking forward to this. I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah, so we really appreciate you coming on, Ola. And uh, I think I speak for both Travis and I when I say we both really appreciate the work you do on our site as well. So, um, obviously, we have a lot to talk about on our episode today. Um, We are going to jump into the week that was uh, conflicting as a Chelsea fan. You know, there was some two two pretty bad performances that we'll definitely dissect. And then we also want to preview the busy week ahead with Zenit and Leeds coming up. So, two important matches there. But before we get into that, um, what... Ola, I guess, what did you think of the Watford game? I know Trav didn't catch much of it, so just get your initial thoughts. Yeah, I'll say we we for the for the lineup that we we came up against, we that we put out rather, we didn't really expect. I know we're Chelsea, and you know we're supposed to win every game, and we're title contenders and all of that. But if we're being if we're being realistic. When we had to put out a midfield of of you know of Saul and 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 Loftus Cheek, it was clear that you know there were problems and it was out of necessity, and we couldn't really have been surprised that those who didn't start didn't start, and those who started started because we had a game on Sunday and we have another we were supposed to have another game on Saturday. So Tuku has a big squad for a reason. We can't we we can't go around boasting. We have. We have squad depth, and then when it's time to use the squad depth, Tuko goes, "Oh no, I don't trust these guys." So he had to use those players, and it, it was the onus was on them to give a good account of themselves. And while while they didn't, it was also down to Watford. I've said several times before that, you know, when we come up against teams that know how to press us, we we struggle. That's been happening since Tuko's first season, and it's not. We're supposed to be a team that should be better at resisting pressure, but for whatever reason, you know, when we don't have our full team, when we have our full team, we we will stand pressure from Manchester City and Co. You know, when we don't have our full team, it's going to be a struggle. And when we come up against struggles like that, the important thing is to get the win. And it was credit to us that we we converted two very good moments into goals because, you know, when you're not playing well as a top team, you you need you need goals regardless. And why people will come out remembering you didn't play well for those who would remember. You you need the win. If you if you if we if we scrap out if we scrape three wins like that when we need it crucially this season, we win the league and nobody's going to remember oh we got dominated by by Watford. So you know Watford have a very good manager. It's not it's not it's not an it's not a shame to to come under that kind of pressure from Watford. Yes, I know it's Watford but you know they have a very good manager, and we were poor. We we're poor across board. You know we were we we're, were not good at all. And Tukul had to go to the bench to bring on players that he planned to rest initially. That just shows you, you know, the kind of situation we found ourselves in. And it was it was extremely important to get the win in that situation, especially 
seeing as we would have, you know, you know, would have gone down to third. Then, so, you know, we can't always play, we can't always put out a Manchester City Champions League final performance. But we do need to get the win as, as much as we can, regardless of how well we play. Yeah, you know, that was one of the big things for me is the fact that we did start with that Saul and Loftus-Cheek midfield and still managed to come away with the win. And you touched on it a little bit, and that's one thing that I really want to touch on too is the fact that even with all the injuries we had, we still managed to come away with three points, but we it was obvious in the way that we played and the way that Watford pressed us, especially in the opening period, that we were really missing those players. And to get more specific, Jorginho, I think, um, it was evident in that game that we really need him and how important he is to our team because um, if it wasn't for the stoppage of play, which I know everyone, um, both Watford and Chelsea fans, are relieved to know that that fan who had the medical emergency is doing well. Um, but if it weren't for that period, you know, it would have been a real problem for Chelsea just because Saul just wasn't getting involved in the midfield. And when you're playing in that Jorginho role, you need to be involved in the play. So there was no outlet for the defenders playing out the back. And like you mentioned, Watford really knew how to press. So it was, um, and not only that, we also had as Piliqueta starting as a wingback, which say what you will about him and his play um, over the last few months as a center back, he's been fantastic, but he's not the most efficient wingback. So it was a, a good not a good performance, but it was a good win, like you mentioned, uh, for title contenders. So um, I guess the next question I'll shift into, and this is where Travis can jump in too. What do you guys think the future holds for Saul at Chelsea? I'll take that one. If, he's gets, if he gets subbed off at halftime more than once, he's pretty much done. And, I mean, I think we already kind of knew that. We had – some hope that maybe that first appearance against Austin Villa was a one-off. But, I mean, I didn't watch the Watford game. I, I can't speak to how bad he was. But if you're subbed off at halftime more than once, that's pretty much enough. I mean, Tammy Abraham was subbed off like that by Tugel, and he didn't get to come back. It's a very um, bad thing. Yeah, and, I mean, with Saul, we have a choice whether we want to keep him or not. And – there's really no reason to. I mean, we haven't seen anything, and it's December now. We haven't seen anything close to saying that we should we should keep him for any reason. I mean, the fact that Loftus Cheek has got a chance at all over Saul is pretty crazy. Um, we're down, you know, at left wing back now, and I know Saul doesn't want to play there, and that's part of why he left Atletico Madrid. But he's not even really seen as an option there it seems so yeah that i don't know how we got that one so wrong but that's been a complete bust sorry i, I want to just mention something on saul i think you know premier league football is extremely difficult difficult in the sense that you come up against you know extremely intense matches and it, it's it's his first game was against Aston Villa. We were all pressed. I mean, in, in that game, uh, Kovacic had a much better performance than, than Saul, granted, but no, no one really covered themselves in glory because they, they, they found them, we found ourselves getting opened up by Aston Villa. He, had been, he has been out of the side for, you know, for that duration of time and he was brought back in against Watford. And while I would say, you know, we were pressed heavily in those two games, maybe that is not coincidental. Maybe that is, you know, maybe that was by design because of, of who we played. But I, I strongly doubt, I strongly doubt Ranieri goes, wait, let's see who plays. Okay, now let's decide to press them. They must have decided to press us anyway, regardless of who played. But I also think that what, what Travis said on, 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 on Saul is, is very important. When, you, when we are subbed off twice at halftime, that's a very bad sign. Yes, we want to we want to agree that it's, it's just two starts he has had, and the season is not over, and anything can still happen. But but that said, we have no reason, no reason at all to even keep him on past past January because we 
we have reason to believe that we would be better off getting value for money if we go and buy a, a, a central midfielder in January. I think if we have to keep him, I don't think it's the end of the world. And I say that because there are games where would there are there are games where we'd need to play someone else other than those who we've been playing. And that's where Saul comes in. He played against Southampton in the cup and he did okay. I I think Ziet also had this problem where he, he he got pressed by you know by by Premier League players and he it took a little bit of time to to adapt. It's not the same. It's not the same, and we we also have to we we have to be careful of being too harsh on him because the intensity of the two leagues are are quite different, and he has been he has he has been out of the side for long. And you know when a player is lacking match sharpness and match match fitness. It's or rather much sharpness, I should say. When you just throw him into a game, he's likely to be, you know, to struggle. But the fact that he has struggled in his first two starts so badly that Tuko has has not seen a reason to keep him past for five minutes is is also quite telling and doesn't bode well for him. I don't see him getting any other start except in an extremely desperate situation again, uh, or maybe maybe cup games. But even cup games, I would I would favor some other players to start over him really. Yeah, I think that's the um, concerning thing is we're almost reaching a point where, like you said, in a dire situation, we, we're almost reaching that stage um, because in this game, you know, uh, we had to move Trevor Chalaba into midfield and he ended up getting hurt. So then I think by the end of the game, uh, if I recall co- correctly, we were playing with Mount and Loftus-Cheek in midfield and... But I, I would say just one more thing on Sowell is, and this is gonna this is gonna sound weird to some people. I don't think he was bad per se. I think he was uninvolved is the word. Um, only Christian Pulisic and Mason Mount had more touches, or had less touches. Um, sorry, in the first half, and that was really concerning for someone playing in the pivot. And it really didn't help out that Loftus Cheek was having his worst game of the year. And like Travis said, um, you know, Loftus Cheek, when he's getting more minutes than you, it's pretty bad. But I think I'll take it a step further. And as much as I love him, whenever Ross Barkley is getting more appearances than you, which he has, it's it's a bad situation. So, yeah, I don't know what will happen with him. Um, like Ola said, if he stays around for the rest of the year, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think he's missing that confidence and the match sharpness. He There's a good footballer in there somewhere. It's just about finding it. And given his limited role right now, I don't know if we will find that. So um, one other thing that the Watford match gave us was a textbook ZH goal, which... I mean, it, it seems like every time Hakim Ziyech scores for Chelsea, it's that just thunderous strike to either the top or bottom corner of the net right in front of goal. And it's it's been impressive. And then I also think the Mason Mount resurgence, which I guess gives us a perfect segue into the uh, West Ham recap. So I'll open that up to you guys as well. So what did you guys think about the West Ham match overall? I think West Ham absolutely had us completely figured out. Um, so West Ham is a very defensive team, and that should never be used as a negative, especially by us because we're Chelsea fans, and you know we've we've won games by just being completely ugly and defensive. And it's always ridiculous when I see someone complain that we that the opponent's parking the bus. I mean. Why wouldn't West Ham park the bus against us? We can't do anything once they do it. I mean, we don't create nearly enough against teams that just sit back and defend like that. And that's that's what happened. But I think the real thing is it's very clear that they studied what we do when we have the ball at the back and in the pivot. You know, Georgino, what Georgino and Mindy, whether it doesn't matter who made the mistake because West Ham was already no- there they knew what we were going to do they knew as soon as Georgino was pressured he was going to try to escape back to Mindy 
and they knew if Mindy had the ball, he was going to try to work his way out of it. And they took complete advantage of that to draw the penalty. Um, and they did that a lot. They they knew exactly where to target their press before we even made the pass. Um, th- their winner came more of a result of, you know, they saw that we were, you know, making the changes to try to get the win, and we were pushing further and further up, and we were just leaving acres behind the wingbacks to go into. I mean – it, it's an issue when Rudiger is further ahead than Hudson Odoi on a counter. And I mean, it's also an issue that Hudson Odoi isn't able to deal with it, but Rudiger was so far ahead of everyone that it was just a big, uh, just a big area to target. I mean, we need to give more credit to West Ham for how they undid us. Um, but yeah, we weren't good enough either. So I mean, if, if we had anyone that looked like they knew how to create a chance consistently, maybe things would have been different, but we don't. Yeah, you know, I think you bring up an interesting point there um, when you talk about hudson Odoi playing left wing back, and I know that's something we've talked about. Um, I think simply put, yesterday, Tuchel got it wrong in the second half. Uh, this is one of the few instances where he's been outmanaged. And I think we need to call him out on that. As I said yesterday in an article is the honeymoon period's over for Tuchel. Um, he's under no pressure of being sacked. So I don't want to hear anybody twist my words into that. But the fact of the matter is, is we can no longer defend him by saying, oh, well, he won the Champions League. You know, we're at a point where if he manages a game poorly, we're going to call him out on it. And I think that's what he did yesterday. And, you know, I just don't think in a game like that, Hudson Odoi is suited to play left wing back. I don't think we should give up on the experiment yet while we're looking for a Chilwell replacement for the time being. But I don't think yesterday is the type of match that Hudson Odoi can play wing back. I really don't. And so, yeah, I really think the main thing yesterday was just Tuchel getting outmanaged. Yeah, I think the. I'm I'm interested in the Arsenal left left wing back situation. If that was the position he played, the reason I say that is I saw a lot of consensus on Twitter, and I know that's the best place to get opinions, you know. But I I saw a lot of I saw a lot of of anyone but Alonso at left wing back on Twitter, and I remember I told people I said you know be careful what you wish for because we always think oh I'd rather have X player in there than X player than Y player. I'd rather have this than that. This can't surely can't do worse. But never say never in football. And the reason I, I'm pointing that out is Hudson Odoi came in at left wing back, and many of us agreed we needed creativity at that point because uh, I, I mean Lukaku was on the pitch. We needed creativity. We needed to get chances to him. We needed to get the ball to him. Hudson Odoi is very good at crossing. The problem is that when you think of left wing back and you think okay, this guy can cross, just put him there. You now, you then realize that the game is a lot more than is a lot more than players' individual attributes. And the reason why players play the positions they play is because the, play, the game is played in, in match situations and game states. In, by default, a certain player will reason a certain way if they play a certain position. Which is why, you know, when a centre-back is... He's taking a penalty a lot of the time. They blast it over the over the post. When a centre back, when he when he transfers to Rudiger like he did in in you know against who was it? They blast it over the over the post. When he plays central midfielder at, at wing back, you would notice that he would look out of place. Except you know you are as Plequeta who can do everything all over the pitch everywhere. But I I, I say this because Marcus Alonso was started as this as the bane of our existence. And I said, this guy was playing, this guy played our most difficult six matches of the season. He played against Tottenham, played against Arsenal, played against City, played against Liverpool, played all those games. And then we got to the, to the Juventus game, which I agree he was poor. Then again, he wasn't, but he was poor. And then, and then Chihuahua came in for Norwich City and, they said, and people said we look more fluid. I mean, how do you not look fluid against Norwich City? They don't, they don't know how to organize themselves. Even they, they can't even pretend not to try to be open, you know. 
So we played against the, the bottom teams. We played against Burnley. We played against Newcastle. And I'm not discrediting what Chilwell did because you still have to put seven past a team that is poor. If you claim the team is poor, you still have to do the business. But then, Marcos also got such a bad rep and people started talking about him as if, you know, as if Chilwell was putting up these performances against City. And then Chihuahua got injured and Marcazzo was thrown into, into the lineup against Manchester United. And then, you know, against West Ham, Osnador came in at left wing back and it was instantly clear that we can't just play anyone at left wing back because we don't like Alonso. And I know that's not why Tuku played him there, but it's just a reminder to people that, you know, the game is not... It's, it's like what people said about Hazard. He's a good finisher, play him at first nine. But every other thing that is required with that role, defensive discipline, you know, movements, being aware of where your where your partners play. None of that Hazard did. And Hazard doesn't like playing there anyway. So being a good finisher alone doesn't guarantee you, you know, to be good at, at, at first nine. But that's enough of, of, of left wing back. The the West Ham performance for me was, you know, I saw I saw many people say we we considered because of two free goals. I don't think so. I think the turning point was that Mendy error, and I call it a Mendy error because I I feel the need to be consistent in 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 how I see these things. And when Jorginho played the ball to against Arsenal last season, when Zuma passed the ball to Jorginho and Jorginho, you know, looked at Kepa and passed the ball away from him, I blame Jorginho because that was Jorginho's mistake that Kepa tried to clean up. This was Mendy's error, and it was Mendy's error because. Jorginho's pass put Mendy under pressure. But then Mendy controlled the ball. Mendy is everything more than Jared Bowen. He's taller, he's, he's stronger. He, he had the ball under control. And all Mendy needed to do was clear the ball. But Mendy still tried to dribble, and that was where we entered problem. We didn't, we didn't concede the penalty because of Jorginho's pass. Yes, Jorginho's pass was poor. But players make poor passes all over the pitch every single time at every point in the game. That is really not an issue. Clearly, when it is one to when it is one to your goalkeeper, it's a lot more of an issue than you know elsewhere on the pitch. But I don't think that was where you know that was where the penalty was considered. I think it was it was a complete indiscretion by Mendy. I think it was an error of judgment on his part. And I think when you get a full London stadium going. It goes against you eventually. We saw we saw this play, which people play against Liverpool and beat Liverpool. You know, Liverpool have Van Dijk and the coveted defense of the whole league, and we saw these people you know put three past 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 Liverpool. So we were not naive to think that West Ham couldn't hurt us, but we were controlling the game up until that point, and then that happened, and then we we still scored again to take the lead again, but. We were we were not at it. We, our, our our defenders were not really. We we considered three clear cut chances, and West Ham missed two of them. They were they weren't even clinical. Normally, when you lose and concede three goals to West Ham, you like to you like to think the few chances they created they converted, but they didn't, and we created only one clear cut chance. So, I don't agree that I don't agree that we lost that game because of mistakes and free goals we're not at it defensively we other than the Jorginho pass we're not at it we I don't particularly think um West Ham's midfield really did a job on us though the the the, the press was very well coordinated which the midfield has a, a big part of that but I think we, we controlled the game and we just you know we lost our composure from the from that point of of Mendy you know doing that thing and it all just spread from there. We, we, how many times did Bowen get him behind us? He missed, he missed the open, he missed the open net, and then there was the one where he, he came from the side and and smashed it over the bar. So on another day, we lose that game probably by more. I'm not saying it is a, a crisis because I, I don't believe in crisis after after one game or after two bad performances. But I agree with Gabe that I don't think Ziyech should have come off at the time he did, and I think. I don't think the Lukaku substitution was the wrong one. I think he was just ineffective because when Kai Havertz goes off at centre forward and you have Lukaku on the bench, who you spent hundred million on and is your highest paid player, that's the natural substitution to make. I think Otsenador coming in should have come on in a in a in a in a, in a left wing role because we needed people to take on West Ham defenders and we just didn't have them. I 
I think it was just one of those games where, you know, it was a bad day at the office for almost everyone involved, the coach, the players. But I agree that, you know, some of the substitutions made were not... I didn't I didn't see why Zet was being taken off at the time he was. But I suspect that might have that might have had to do with Tuku deciding from the beginning to share the minutes between Ziet and Hotinodoy anyway. So that may have had to do with it. But you know, it's something we will learn from. I trust Tuku to pay attention to that match and figure out what it was that we did wrong and you know rectify it in, in future games. Yeah, you know, I think um the word of the game that everybody used was luck. And this dates back to Tuchel saying we got lucky against Watford, which we did. So I think that was kind of the universe balancing things out. And everyone wants to say, oh, well, West Ham's goals were lucky. It's like, well, they also had some attempts that they were unlucky, as you mentioned, the Bowen miss on the open net. So um, and as Travis said, full um, full credit to West Ham for how they played. You know, that's one thing that I maintained yesterday is we didn't well we we did lose this one we beat ourselves but at the same time west ham had a perfect game plan so it was a combination of both and going to the um going back to the mendy error which i completely agree with you all i think it was a mendy error i think he's fallen victim to over the last few weeks getting way too comfortable with the ball at his feet you know i I don't think it's any secret that mendy's not the best uh, with distribution I, and I think he's just gotten a little comfortable. And this dates back to last year too, but obviously it came back to bite us in this game. And I think that's a theme we're seeing with the defense as well. I think everyone is just becoming more comfortable. And I think that's a bad thing because when you get complacent, you lose that, um, the drive and you lose just all of the, qualities that make you a good defense and the discipline so um and we saw that as i know travis mentioned earlier with rudiger being higher up the pitch than hudson Odoi, and rudiger wasn't the only one every defender over the last few weeks ever since burnley equalized when the whole defense fell asleep has been guilty of just switching off for certain periods of play we're not invincible and i think we're finding that out now and i i hope they realize that as well yeah, I want to touch on that luck thing a little bit because, you know, you can ride your luck for a little bit, but, you know, we have to look at this loss in context where we played pretty poorly against Manchester United. We played pretty poorly against Watford, from what I understand. And I know we played poorly against West Ham. So, you know, obviously that's only a week, but, you know, you don't lose the West Ham in a vacuum. These things started, you know, back with United. And the concern I have is this happens every single December, it seems. Every single January, you know, we get to this place where, oh, we're, we're doing fine. We're Chelsea. We're, we're top of the table or near it. And then it just all kind of falls apart. And that's exactly what happened last year. Last year, Ben Chilwell started a dream of a Premier League title, and almost immediately we fell apart. I mean, Tuchel keeps using this term, like, we need to be the hunters. We need to hunt down – City and Liverpool. Well, now we actually have to because we blew first place. Um, and you know, I think West Ham more than anyone showed like this. You know, back when Antonio Conte was manager and he had his three four three. Eventually, it got figured out, and that's when things started to go wrong for him. You know, West Ham had us figured out. So you know, maybe. Now is the time where, especially with all the injuries, where we start thinking, well, maybe we need to do something a little different than what we've been doing. Obviously, we won the Champions League with what we've been doing. Obviously, we were in first until this weekend with what we were doing. But the really good managers, the best managers, they make the, the they fix these issues before we're dropping down the table because everyone's got us figured out. So, you know, maybe now is the time to you know, try the three, five, two again. And maybe that brings something out of Lukaku again. Uh, Maybe, you know, pushing Mount and Barkley and whoever else back into midfield, maybe that helps us solve that we have so many injuries there right now. You know, maybe we do need to try something with like four at the back 
if we're going to be vulnerable back there anyway. Maybe we need to just score more goals. Maybe our issue has gone the other way. Yeah, I don't think it's an easy solution. Um, and, you know, we're really going to figure out, or as fans, we're going to get to see the tactical genius that we were promised in Thomas Tuchel. You know, we were always told um, back in his PSG days that he would have a 3-4-3 in one game and then a 4-1-3-2 in the next, and it all depended on the opponent. So I think this might open up the door for him to potentially do that. And one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about as well, and you touched on it briefly there, was Lukaku. And I know Ola touched on that as well. So what do you guys think we need to do to get him more involved? Because everyone was quick to criticize him yesterday, but I really don't think it was his fault per se. He just wasn't getting service. And I think um, while I agree with Ola that in hindsight, taking off ZH when we did was the wrong decision. I think at the time, bringing on Hudson Adoy was the right decision because I am of the camp that I think Hudson Adoy is our best left winger. I think he should be our starting left winger. And then I think Mason Mount's best on the right wing. And he's really enjoyed a resurgence over the last few games as well with a goal and assist against Watford and West Ham. So um, overall, circling back to it, what do you guys think is the solution with Lukaku? What can be done? Because he obviously needs to play. I think the, the Lukaku one is is an interesting one because I remember last season when, you know, when Werner was missing all the chances he was missing, and he was missing quite a lot and quite bad misses too. There's no hiding from that. But I also remember mentioning that, you know, we weren't creating nearly as much chances as we thought we were in the sense that for, for, for Werner, when he played for Leipzig, he was almost guaranteed a clear-cut chance every 90 minutes. Maybe not every game, but every 90 minutes. And when you when you have a very good chance to score that frequently, even when you miss, you know there's another one coming soon. I'll be able to I'll be able to get over that. When he played for Chelsea, the chances were few and far between. It meant that whenever he got the chance and he missed, it was always going to be, you know, a very he, he didn't know when he was going to get the next chance. And it was a struggle because it means when you get your chance and you missed it, your confidence goes down even further because you think, when am I going to get the next one? But uh, that's much of that. I felt when we were calling for Lukaku, I felt whoever it is we got in, we needed to up our chance creation game. We needed to create a lot more chances for whoever because Lukaku wasn't coming from an inter that where creating chances sparingly. They were creating a lot of chances and a lot of good chances too. Haaland, the same thing. Uh, Lewandowski, the same thing. Whatever striker it is we were interested in, they were getting a lot of chances to score, except maybe Hurricane. So maybe Hurricane was our best option. But when when Lukaku was, you know, when we chased Lukaku for a long time, I kept trying to correct the notion that Lukaku was clinical. Which I apologize now because I, I took uh, an inventory of all his chances and all his goals over his career back to Everton. And he is quite clinical. He's as clinical as they get, as around 48, 49% big chance conversion rate, which is which is quite good. But we didn't realize when Lukaku came that, you know, a lot of the chances Werner got were because it was Werner on the pitch. It was they were because it was Werner moving to put himself in, in, himself in a position to create those chances. And I remember Lukaku, I said Lukaku, I remember Tuko said, you know, that he said the reason why he liked the Lukaku transfer was we wouldn't need to change the way we play. And I disagreed instantly because we don't play the same way as Inter, not even a little bit. The only similarities between the two teams is we play, you know, we play three at the back. We don't build up the same way. We don't. We don't focus play in the same areas. We took a system we, we built up through our, our central midfielders. For, for Tuku's first about six games, Kovacic and Jorginho had the most passes of anyone in the team. So it was clear how we're, how we're trying to, you know, how we're trying to build up. Inter, Inter don't build up that way. Inter don't even bother to play out from the back that much. They just swing it into Lukaku and he holds it up and lateral runs and, you know, they, they, they build up from there. 
But what they focused on was they got the ball to high up the pitch and then they moved from there. We built up from the back to the front. And we hardly even switched play. That's how that's how hellbent we are on building up through three short passes. We hardly switched play. And you know, I didn't think we played the same way with Inter at all. I was skeptical about the comment that we would, we would not need to change the way we played. But now that Lukaku is here, we have a situation. And the situation is that we cannot, we can't do what we did with Werner. You know, we bought Werner at the beginning of the 20 of, of last season, and he scored six league goals, missed 18 clear cut chances, and we felt we need to get another one. We can't do that now because we spent 100 million on Lukaku. So we can't go out and say, oh, yeah, we'll just get Haaland. That's just going to cause all sorts of issues. I think the 3 5 2 was something that we were, we were getting. We're getting there with Lukaku in the sense that just as we were, I remember we reverted back to 3-4-3 when he got injured. But with 3-5-2, I remember Werner came into the side and we were looking more threatening. We seemed like we were ready to get the the better Lukaku. Because I agree that while he was ineffective against West Ham, that wasn't particularly his fault. It's it's easy to, you know, to say we're more fluid with Harvard. I don't think that is the case. I don't I think the fluidity with Harvard is, is a bit overstated. I don't think it's it's a hoax, but I think it's a bit overstated. I think it's a bit, you know. But I think the, the problem with the Lukaku transfer now is there's no easy solution. Whatever whatever solution we, we come up with, it will take a bit of time before before we can get Lukaku going. Because it's not easy to get anyone scoring goals. It's not easy to get anyone scoring goals, whoever it is. Every every manager that has worked with a prolific striker did not just say, oh, just play this position and goals will come. No. So if we play the 3-5-2, we shouldn't expect Lukaku to start scoring hat tricks from the first game we played. He will need to learn how to play with his teammate because it's a team sport. And while we all have to get the best out of our, our 100 million pound assets, it is a team sport. And we have to learn to play with him. He has to learn to play with us. That can only come when they play together. That can only come when they play, you know, often. So we can't... It's not a shortcut. It's game week 15. We are not, you know, pressed for... We are not looking for another striker the way, you know, we like to do in the in the, in the just fan base where, you know, this happens. That player should never start the game for the club. Uh, that that player should never start again for the club. This player should start every game from now on. You know, it's not that simple. We need to. I think the three five two would would be best. I think we were we we're getting someone with Lukaku in three five two before he got injured. So I think, and I think Venom will be key to that too as well. I think Venom will be extremely crucial to how we get the best out of Lukaku. Unfortunately, so it's it's a difficult one because you know we spend the money now. We have to we have to do the work. So. First of all, people are very weird about Kai Havertz and Lukaku because for some whatever reason, they think we create all these chances with Kai Havertz that we don't create with Lukaku, and I didn't see any of them. I mean, yeah, our goals came when Kai was on the field, but Kai didn't play a part in them. I mean, it was Thiago Silva on a free kick where he was on a corner where he was completely unmarked, and then it was Mason Mount with a – just fantastic volley when he found space. Like, Kai didn't play a part in this. He just didn't. So, I don't know what people are seeing with how much more fluid we are with Kai than Lukaku, because I don't see it. Second of all, people want to talk about, you know, Lukaku at Inter Milan or Lukaku at Manchester United and Lukaku at Everton and how he's this counter-attacking striker. Why does no one want to talk about Lukaku at Belgium? Belgium is a super high possession team, and you know they play three four three, they play three five two. Lukaku's completely fine with Belgium, so what is it that we're doing that's hampering Lukaku? And I think a lot of it is it, it's a similar issue to what we had with Timo Werner last season. If whoever your striker is leaves the striker spot, and no one goes to fill in that striker spot then your whole attack is weakened. And Lukaku is noticing that no one's filling in when he leaves. 
So he's staying put. He's keeping the defense pinned so other players can move in. You know, if Pulisic is on the field, you know, maybe he's willing to come in. Maybe Timo Werner would be. But as it stands, we're surrounding Lukaku with guys that they want to be back in the buildup. They don't want to be the ones running into the box when Lukaku goes out wide. Um, I think 3-5-2 was how Tuchel was trying to solve that issue. And, you know, like Ola said, we pretty much went back to 3-4-3 as soon as Lukaku got hurt. So, you know, maybe now we start to see that change that we were seeing before come back. Maybe we see Lukaku and Timo up top more and, you know, some combination of whatever our midfield three is. And maybe that fixes things. But, yeah, we're just – we're working against Lugaku more than anything. Uh, You know, we're trying to get him to play like he did at Inter when we don't really play that way. We play more like Belgium do, but we're not using him the way Belgium do. Yeah, you know, I think that's definitely an interesting point. And I think – a lot of this is overblown in the sense that people are saying, oh, well, Lukaku hasn't scored in a long time. Well, he's been out for a month. Let's let's not forget that. So I think everyone just wants to take a look at the past struggles, uh, like our struggles with Havertz and Werner last year, which I also think were overblown, and our struggles with Murata and basically every striker since Diego Costa. And they've taken this and they've just pinned it on Lukaku because as Ola said, he's not scoring hat tricks every game. It's going to take time. He needs to adjust. And it also hasn't helped that he hasn't had a chance to um, build relationships with the players that are in the team because he's been out of the team and because he only joined us in the summer. So I think time will help. I also think when you get guys like Hudson, Adoy, Mason Mount and Reese James on the pitch with him, who will give him that, those crosses and the service and get the ball at his feet because that's ultimately what he needs. Um, So I think time and just time will help to build the relationship with the teammates. And I think it'll also help Tuchel find out how to best use him. And I think we've seen over the past few games that while Lukaku is quote unquote fit, I don't think he's fit enough to start. So it'll be interesting to see which direction Tuchel goes in when he is fit to start. And if we see that three, five, two come back, because we also forget that Werner was also out for a while. So, you know, it's the injuries are really taking their toll. And I think overall though, people are just overblowing these struggles. So Lukaku will be fine. Um, I will go on record saying that. And I think you guys would both go to bat with me on that as well. Um, And I saw an interesting tweet this morning when I was putting out and sharing the articles uh, on the Pride of London account. And I want to apologize. I don't remember who exactly wrote it. It was one of the writers over at football.london. But they said, you know, there are a few players in the world that you change your shape to get into the team. You don't change the player's positions to get into the team. And Lukaku is one of those players. And I completely agree with that. Lukaku is not someone that we bring in to fit our system. It's someone we build our system around because he's proven time and time again, no matter where you look, that he can be one of those players. So um, I just wanted to ask you guys if anyone had any other thoughts on West Ham, on um, Lukaku overall. Uh, One thing, I guess, my... Um, takeaway my last word on the West Ham game per se would be I think Mason Mount was one of the bright spots and I also don't believe and I think Ola touched on this earlier I don't believe the midfield was as poor as we thought I think uh, error aside Jorginho was pretty good and I think Loftus-Cheek enjoyed one of his best games in a while as well well that's going to make an awkward segue when I say Stein Declan Rice I understand people don't want to pay $100 million for him. We're probably not going to, just like we didn't pay $70 million that everyone was afraid we'd pay for Chilwell. Like just sign Declan Rice, and we'll be fine. You know he wants to come here. Everyone wants – he's getting better every single game I see him. So I don't know what people have in their mind about Declan Rice, but sign him. For for the Lukaku thing, I think, I mean – even I've forgotten what it is I wanted to say. But yes, I think the the important thing with, with Lukaku is the point you made about 
about changing our system for him. I don't think we, I don't think it's as serious as us needing to change our system for him. But I think we do need to adjust the way we, the way we play in the final third, in the sense that, and and there's something that I, I, I must touch on. I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel at peace if I don't touch on it. Many many people say you know Lukaku hates playing with his back to go. He prefers to face the goal. I don't agree with that at all. And I, and I would say why? Yes, he does running behind for for Belgium. I think he's as much a back to go striker as he's a you know a running behind striker. Many top centre forwards can do both. You know. It depends on the system you play. If you play in a 4 4 2 or if you play in a system that demands you to play with your back to go, you play with your back to go. If you play in a system that requires you to run in behind, you run in behind. But what I don't quite agree with is people saying, why, why is Tuko still making him play with his back to go? I think at the top level, players play on instincts. That's why you see... Ziyech cross a lot, you see Mount cross a lot, you see Pulisi dribble a lot. Even though Pulisi is probably not aware that he completes about 49% of his dribbles, he still does it anyway, because it's by instinct. At, at certain points in a game, you do what comes naturally to you. And let's be honest, we got interested in Lukaku from his back-to-goal play. We're not interested in Lukaku when he left Manchester United. He went to Inter, he became a you know, he probably played as a back-to-goal striker. He scored all these goals, had all these assists, created all these chances for Inter, and more or less single-handedly dragged them to a league title. They are first in a long time as well. So, that was the Lukaku that attracted us. So, I don't think it's even a shame that, you know, he's seen as a back-to-goal striker. There's nothing wrong with him in being a back-to-goal striker. He scored 24 league goals being a back-to-goal striker for, for Inter and had 11 assists. If we get that, regardless of the, the label that you are giving, we'll, we'll take that and we'll probably win the league as well. So I, I think mainly it's just it's just the patience that Chelsea fans never have. We never have it. When you know Bakayoko came, he was injured. He was trying to line up. He didn't light up the world. I don't think it was as bad as many people say. The worst first game was particularly bad. But you know, people shouldn't get judged on their worst games in their careers because. Where where then will we be as as the football community? So he was he was gone. Morata came in. He was getting on the end of chances. He didn't score as much as we wanted. We said he should be shot into the sun. He left. We still kept abusing him. I just felt Morata was giving a lot of stick. You know, we never have the patience because we feel we spent hundred million. Now we should get the goods. But at the same time, we. I was. I was. I, I'm not going to pretend. I was one of those who who said I don't think Lukaku at you know the price of getting him is a bargain. I thought it was necessary. I I thought we did need a striker. Vlaovic wasn't. Fiorentina wasn't going to sell Vlaovic. I don't think we we're particularly interested. Dortmund had made it clear that you know the attempt for Haaland was quite cheap. There was also the Raiola factor. Hurricane, you know, Levy was asking for 160 million pounds. No one is going to pay that for him. It was. We, we were desperate and we paid what was necessary to get the player that we, we needed. So that is not, you know, there's no point crying, oh, we could have gotten a cheap, yes, you can get a cheaper player, but, you know, why, why not just dig into your academy if you're looking for a cheaper player? So we intentionally went after a Lukaku profile player. We, went, we intentionally went after that caliber of player, that level of player. He had just won the league. We wanted to, we, we had league title aspirations. I think it's, I think it's, it's, I think we, we definitely need to, need to, need to change how we, how we play in the final third. We cannot afford to, because Lukaku doesn't move the way Harvard does, we cannot afford to play as if it's Harvard that is playing. And I think ZH be a big part of that. But of course, I think ZH be a big part of that. I think ZH is a big part of everything, really. Don't really mind me that much on that. But I, I, I think, I think Chouameni could be an interesting transfer interest in January because Chouameni, other than being, you know, very hardworking and very high work rates, he makes a lot of tackles, interceptions. He's very active off the ball. He also is very comfortable in the final third and, you know, transitioning play to the forward areas. 
And I think Chelsea has needed, I wouldn't say creativity, though it is a form of creativity, but I, I have a different definition of creativity. I think we need that player that, you know, can pick out passes for us in the final third, can score goals, can be a threat in corners, because, you know, Chalamini is six foot one or thereabouts, so he's he's often a, a, a target in corners because he has a good leap on him. I think we definitely need a central midfielder in January. Not because I think um, Jorginho is, is poor, far from it. Not because I think Kante is too injury prone. I just think with where we are now, if we go past a transfer window and we still limit our options to Saul, Jorginho, uh, Loftus-Cheek, you know, as a pivot, we will get to a situation where even Saul that we say we don't, we're not interested in, he could get injured, so he wouldn't even be an option again. Loftus-Cheek could get injured. I mean, the fact that we have all these injuries and Loftus-Cheek is not one of them is, is, is a miracle in of itself. And we cannot, you know, afford to ride our luck. We, we, you don't get, you don't win the, the, the Premier League title by luck, really. I've been talking for a long time. But I think it's just patience that we need and we hardly have patience. We saw it with, with Loftus-Cheek, we saw it with Ziyech, we saw it with Pulisic. Many, many people feel, you know, he should have, they look at their research and they feel he should have started performing by now. If he has not started performing by now, we need to find something to do with him. I don't think it's, it's always that simple. I think players need time to acclimatize. I think players need time to understand their teammates. Because the reason why Ziyech created so many clear chances at, at Ajax is because he doesn't need to look at players for them to run. He picks up the ball, they know, he knows they are running, they know he's going to pass the ball, and he just goes from there. So team chemistry is something that we don't pay enough attention to, I think, as a fan base, and we need to start paying attention to that. Yeah, you know, I think um, just coming full circle on that thought with the team chemistry and the patience is the last time we played our next opponent, or the, yeah, the last time we played our next opponents, um, as I get jumbled up in my words there, uh, Zenit, we waited 70 minutes for a go-ahead goal, and it was uh, Romelu Lukaku who gave us the lead in that one uh, with one of the only clear-cut chances we had in the game. He scored something from essentially nothing almost against the run of play, which sounds bad against Zenit. So as we prepare to take on Zenit again, what are you guys' thoughts? I mean, obviously, we're going into a must-win match, seeing as we want to come out on top of Group H and our 4-0 win over um, Juventus gave us that position. So all we need to do is win, and we win the group. So I'll kick it over to you guys. What are you looking forward to and? against this or in this game against Zenit. Yeah, I personally I don't really care if we get first or second because we're gonna draw some impossibly good team regardless because that's just our luck. Um I mean it's really tricky one playing. It should be it's probably Zenit's last game before they go on break. Um Russia has a very long winter break that is almost usually Champions League Champions League. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we need a rebound from West Ham more than anything because, but I don't really know how we're going to do it because pretty much everyone's injured and the guys that are left are going to be, you know, dead on their legs by the time, you know, we have to play Leeds and man, if we lose the Leeds, I'm going to lose my mind. I would want nothing more than Leeds to be relegated this season, but that's an aside. I think we are going to need to prioritize the Leeds game. Yeah, I know at Chelsea, we should win every game. We shouldn't sound like that. Yeah, and all that. That's not the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is this. We've qualified from the group stages. The last time we won the Champions League, we didn't qualify from the group stage. So as far as I'm concerned, this is a success. No, I'm kidding. But we've qualified from the group stages. I agree with Trav that the first, second thing is I mean, Baka could go to to Europa League. So it, it, there are there are many there are many tables that the best team on the best team in the in the in the group is not finishing first. You know, imagine whoever draws someone from PSG's group. PSG probably finished second. So are you going to say you drew the weaker team? Yeah, you could say so, but they are still going to have to face Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe. I wouldn't want to. I know Rudiger wouldn't want to. Maybe he does. But, you know, I don't think that Zenit match is as important as... Yes, it would be nice if we can get the win. 
uh, like Gabe mentioned, uh, Lukaku got us the the winner that we didn't look like we we're going to get. To be fair, we didn't look like we we're going to get. We we it it seemed like you know nothing was happening in that game. We they pressed us. I remember they they pressed us really hard, and you know they 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 cut off the supply almost completely to our forward line. So it was it was we 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 relied on Aspiquata to make one of his his Aspi to Morata crosses or Aspi to who is here Aspi to Morata crosses for you know to Lukaku. I think the Leeds game is a lot more important, not just because you know they are Leeds and I just feel that they are you know for a club that is as that of their of their of their level. They seem to have very high expectations. I don't. I don't really get it. But yes, I. I think we need to win against Leeds more importantly because, like Tuko says, we we are chasing now and we have to be there for when Liverpool and and or City inadvertently slip because they will. I know there will be more more results like the Liverpool West Ham game. There will be more results like the Crystal Palace City game. When when we when we're beating. Um, when we're beating Norwich City 7-0 and we're beating um, Newcastle 3-0 and we're breezing past Leicester City, no one thought we were going to start losing games anytime soon. So it's it's as as Liverpool look now, I remember last season Liverpool put seven past Crystal Palace and then they went on their losing run. So it's not, I don't think it's 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 really I don't think this is how it's going to be for the rest of the season with us losing games and Liverpool and City winning their games. I know when we look at the City team, we think, oh, there's no weakness there. But there doesn't have to be a weakness in the team to beat them. You just need to have your game plan right. And, you know, Liverpool nearly didn't win against against Wolves. I think Wolves were, were the author of their own downfall, but that's, that's beside the point. I think we have to put ourselves in a position to take advantage, is what I'm saying. Because if we say they're too good, we can't catch them. And then we don't win against Leeds. It means we can't catch them anyway because even if they lose, we stay in our position. But if we put ourselves in a position to capitalize, we can regain top spots at, at, at any time. I think, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. We need to prioritize the Leeds game. If possible, we send out the academy boys, let them have the experience, play against Zenit. If we lose, we lose. We're probably going to draw like an extremely well-organized Bayern team or an extremely efficient PSG team anyway. So... There's, there's, there's nothing we can do about that. So we'll draw who we draw. Yeah, you know, I agree with you guys in the sense that we need to prioritize leads just because we did lose to West Ham and we dropped points on in the title race. Um, the one thing I will say about the Champions League is usually, Trev, you're right when you say that first, second doesn't really matter. But I mean, just taking a look here. The first place in the opposing groups, Man City, Liverpool, Ajax, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Manchester United, Lille, they're all playing well. Um, I wouldn't want, obviously, we can't draw three of those teams considering they're English teams. But aside from PSG, I don't really fear any second place team. Um, Just going through it quickly, the second place teams in the Champions League, PSG, Porto, Sporting, Inter Milan, Barcelona, Villarreal, and RB Salzburg right now. Um, obviously, that's subject to change with a few of those, but obviously, um, I would prioritize finishing first in that group. I also don't think the Leeds game will be as tough, you know, as Travis mentioned. Um, obviously, for personal reasons, you want to see Leeds get relegated. And as a Chelsea fan, I would love that as well. Um, but I don't think we should necessarily worry about this Leeds team who it took a 95th minute equalizer from Patrick Manford today to beat Brentford. Uh, or to draw with Brentford, sorry. Um, I don't think we should be worrying about them. I think no matter what, we will be perfectly fine um, against them. But like you guys said, I think it is more important for us to prioritize that game from a sense that if we want to stay in this title race, because as Ola mentioned, um, Liverpool and Man City are very, very good. And we can't be dropping points too often. I think people are making a lot of this. uh, Oh my goodness. We're in third. Now we're out of the title race. You know, as Trav mentioned earlier, we are the hunters now. And I think that's a good position to be in. So that's just our little quick recaps um, and previews of the matches coming ahead. Um, And hopefully the next time that we reconvene, 
we will be talking about finishing first place in the group and beating leads and so we'll be we'll be in a pretty good spot you know uh, definitely much better headspace than we are right now after the last week so i want to say a quick thank you first to ola for coming on um like i said we really appreciate having you here and then yeah and then also um want to thank everyone for listening too so make sure to follow us on social media so you can follow me at Gabe H Sports on Twitter and make sure to um, look at look out for the Pride of London at Pride O London. Ola, remind everybody where we can find you on Twitter. Yeah, um on Twitter at MacNobzy, M-C-N-O-B-Z-Y. You can find me there. You can have interactions. And then you can find Trav. Uh, at Traftical. So once again, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen and we will see you next week.